Hello and welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Doman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 114. And so before we start today, um, we have some events that we're going to announce. Um, every Friday at 1 p.m. Central, we do a Twitter chat, which I talk to our followers on Twitter, talk about basically PCB design, engineering, um, the current hashtags are my favorite because I get to meme it up. Um, then we also have the hardware meetup that's here at MacFab HQ. That's the last Wednesday, no, third Wednesday of each month now. We moved it from the last Wednesday to the third Wednesday. So that is going to be 18th. April 18th. And this uh, this month we're going to talk about uh, parts of the Arduino, which I'm going to be uh, giving that talk. And then Trey German will talk about off-shelf enclosures and customizing them for your product. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom, Trey German was on some podcasts. Um, long ago. Yeah, long ago. Um, he's actually been on two podcasts. He, he has been on two podcasts. And, and I think we actually talked about this even on one of those podcasts. Uh, he, he's come into uh, MacroFab a handful of times showing off his custom enclosures and yeah. how he got those made. So this will be a good one. Yeah. And then we are going to be starting a Houston Hardware Happy Hour. Um, and that's going to be the first Thursday of each month. And the first one is May 3rd, because technically the first Thursday would be in a couple days, but it's kind of short notice. Um, so this is going to be at Slowpokes, which is a beer, coffee, food place that's really close to the fab. It's a super hipster coffee place. Yeah. But, but it's, it's awesome. It's a really good place to... Um, bring your hardware hacks and that kind of stuff. I wanted to find a place that was going to be, it's kind of quiet there so you can talk to people and show off your your widget that you built. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. May 3rd at uh, Slowpokes in Houston. Yep. And every, every podcast, I'm going to reiterate these, this stuff. So uh, what, what, what time uh, is that for the? 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Yep. All right. Right after work. Perfect. Yeah. So, Stephen, what are you even up to? You're supposed to have a synthesizer here for me to play. I, you know, I am. <laughs> this this was supposed to be the episode where uh, where we would have Parker actually play the synth, and uh, and and we had actually planned on doing it. And then I, I texted him earlier today, and I was like, "Oh, you know, what? I forgot. I left it in my wife's car, and she's out at work. So it's uh, it's going to be a different episode that we do that. Yep. Um, regardless, I have some other stuff to talk about because I always have stuff to talk about. Oh, that's good. Uh, I usually don't. I've actually been doing some uh, some some design work recently on some voltage controlled filters. Okay. Uh, so a lot of uh, breadboard work, uh, breadboarding on the FX dev board, actually. You know, the thing is, I haven't used that thing in months, and then I started doing some, like, actual breadboarding. It's like, ah, I really wish it, it would have done well, because it's like, I love it. It's so easy well, to use. Is, I think we should push that project again. Along with all the hundreds of thousands of projects yeah, that we're going, to that we're going to we're going to push, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so regardless, I've I've been I've been designing some circuits <laughs> and um, and and for voltage control filter circuits, um, most of the time they're controlled uh, using a current as opposed to using a voltage. Mm -hmm. And uh, when when you want to control something using a current, you can you can typically just you know 
put a voltage across the resistor and you'll get a current out and that works pretty well but if you're just using like joshmo op amp circuits you're only ever going to get like a, a linear response such that you know you put in a voltage if there's a gain on it it's always just going to be like a, a mm -hmm. straight line with you know some slope to it so um to get more like bang for your buck in effect you can create an exponential current source mm -hmm. so uh that's that's a way that you can put in a linear wave and get way more range out of it because the low end and the high end are exponentially apart from each other. And so you can get wider sweeps on whatever you're doing. It's, it's, a, it's actually a really good trick to just increase the range of whatever voltage you know you want to control any circuit with. It doesn't have to be a filter. It can be anything. Um, and there's some really traditional circuits out there for creating an exponential current. Uh, and most of them rely on the kind of VBE tricks of mm -hmm. BJT transistors, such that, you know, if you have a VBE, which is the voltage from the base to emitter, if you have a VBE of like zero up to about 0.7, yep. that transistor's not in its like saturation range. It's not in like its full range. That kind of transition between zero and 0.7 volts is exponential in uh, format works, yep, in, yep. In, in how it works. And so if you actually take two transistors and you kind of pair them up such that their emitters are connected together, you make what's called a differential pair. So putting these two transistors together, you can kind of cancel out a lot of nasty terms in the math and you can make something that works really easily to convert a voltage to an exponential current. So I've been trying to do this recently and I've done these a, a bunch in the past. Uh, they're kind of like a circuit block for me at this mm -hmm. point now because I've done a bunch of them. But I started making a new one the other day, and a new I, design. Well, yeah, a new design, somewhat. It, it's just like a kind of like a rethought design. Like the design is still like the core is effectively the same. It's just like a few things that are different. And I spent like six hours trying to get this thing working. Like, and it's not that there's not much going on in this thing, uh, and. It's just, it was blowing my mind because this thing was not working at all. I put in my known voltages. Everything was working exactly the way I thought it should, except it wasn't spitting out any current that was intelligible. I, ha I had pr you know previously simulated this entire thing. So I've got my computer to the left of me that has a simulation running, it, showing yeah. me like exactly how it should work. Mm -hmm. And then I've got my breadboard on my table and it just ain't doing nothing that I expect. Most of the circuit is working. Like, I'm turning pots and I'm seeing voltages swing in the way that I expect them to. Um, and I made a cardinal mistake. And uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of the whole reason why I'm talking about this is just so, like, other people won't make this mistake. This whole circuit that I'm trying to, to design and build right here is just DC. So mm -hmm. I'm, I don't have my scope on it because I don't care. I Like, literally, I just want to plant it on a DC value and it does something. Uh Apparently, I didn't put enough compensation on one of the op amps that helps control the entire circuit or the entire um, differential pair. And that op amp is teetering right on the edge of zero volts. And zero volts is kind of like bad are territory. Are you talking about on its inputs? Uh, actually, on its output. Okay. Well, sort of. Uh, I'd, I'd have to show and, you and this. this is, and this is between what? Two 15 volt rails, so 15 plus and negative. That's 15. right, yeah. So zero. So, yeah, no, the, the, this is an op amp uh, chugging between 30 volts here. So, it's got a real wide range. And its entire goal is to actually force those transistors to, you know, spit a very specific amount of cur current out and nothing else. 
And the thing is, the way that you run it is you you put it in such a mode that it that it um, kind of forces everything to stick in place, mm-hmm. basically be stable. And op amps are kind of the like drama queens of electronics, you know, like they they don't really do well if you if you get them into like bad territory, they start to freak out and go all over the place. Well, I spend all this time like working things out. I even drove to the electronics store and bought new transistors because I thought my transistors <laughs> might be bad. Yeah, no, seriously, because. <laughs> The, the numbers I was getting were just like unintelligible. I was like, mm-hmm. this doesn't work. How, like these numbers just don't work in my mind. And then, uh, and then I, I had a capacitor just lying on the table and I pick up the capacitor and I put it in the feedback of the op amp and the whole circuit just sprung to life. It did exactly what did it should. Did you put the, uh, did you put it in, in series or did you put it across ground? Well, I guess. Okay. Well, so, 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 so here's the thing. The, the circuit's weird because uh, this op amp is in a negative feedback yep. path, yep. but it has both a resistor and a transistor in the feedback path. Oh, so it's okay. hard to calculate what gain it has because it yeah. has a transistor in there. But the op amp is trying everything it possibly can to make that transistor behave nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's right on the edge of zero. And zero for the output of a transistor is kind of like, well, okay, does it go all the way up to positive 15 or does it go all the way down to negative 15 like it sort of doesn't know it's right there so you have to have a capacitor kind of slow it down Mm -hmm. such that if there's a change the op-amp doesn't just freak out and go nuts so so probably what was happening is that that oscillation was starting to get above the response of that op-amp that's right yeah no no and 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 the op-amp so it was a teal 082 which has a gain bandwidth product of uh one megahertz i believe mm-hmm. so it was probably oscillating somewhere around there yeah. well plus whatever parasitics are on my breadboard which is probably nasty yeah. but but it was oscillating in such a way that if you tried to read the dc on all the points which was what i was trying to do i was getting these completely wacko values because your multimeter was not updating fast enough exactly yeah exactly and well and it was screwing with everything the actual current was at so so yeah you just a just a small like few hundred uh, picofarad cap just put it in the feedback path to compensate for all like the craziness that it was trying to do mm-hmm. just killed all the oscillations in it's like perfectly stable and it does exactly what the simulation says it should do and like all the calculations are exactly right and it's just like god I wish I didn't waste six hours <laughs> like, and the, the thing that's really sad is I've, I've been in this situation before not with this exact circuit but like I've had that exact same thing happen where an analog circuit like freaks out and you you know you're trying to like just go down to like the basics and and say like hey you know um dc you know what's what's going on here uh the thing that was crazy about is i actually pulled the cap out uh again to make it oscillate again and i put my scope probe on there because i wanted to see the oscillation after i figured Mm -hmm. it out the one mega ohm input impedance in my scope probe was enough to squash the oscillations. So even if I tried to see it, I wouldn't be able to. Were you using 1x or 10x? I was using 1x. I flip it to 10x, yeah. Yeah. Switch it to 10x because 10x will have even more impedance on it. Uh, 10 times the impedance. (laughs) And it'll also have less parasitic and blah, blah, blah. Right, yeah. You get a lower input capacitance and stuff. But but regardless, like, if, you know, if I just picked up a probe and didn't flip it to 10x, you know, and I'm trying to sniff out an uh, an oscillation, I wouldn't have been able to see it. I bet you this, if this circuit was hooked up to a speaker, I bet you you put your finger on it and would have fixed it. 
probably uh, yeah the capacitance of your finger is enough no. for sure so, yeah, yeah for sure so you know it, it kind of sucks but like all the textbook examples of analog circuits um they work purely in theory they work really great in a simulation program uh but in real life you have to just deal with this kind of crap and it's super annoying yeah. but but it works now so i'm happy with it yeah it's actually interesting because you, you you brought up this topic in earlier this week in our slack channel chris g was talking about a he was basically making an emitter follower with a transistor um and he was having crazy oscillations and i'm like i'm a digital guy i'm like oscillations you fix that with bypass capacitance so i'm like <laughs> throw a throw you know um a bypass cap from uh you know vcc to ground and he's like well he's using a linear power supply so he's like it's probably fine and then a couple hours later i come back to the slack channel and he said that he put a capacitor there and it fixed it <laughs> um well and and really what you're doing is you're actually you know slewing the phase yep. of of things and uh uh like i said earlier kind of slowing it down such that it doesn't get 180 degrees out of phase and then just freak out yep. you know and and i'm actually a little bit surprised um because an emitter follower is a uh you can make an oscillator out of an emitter follower in fact uh you know traditional oscillators like coal pits oscillators are emitter followers but an emitter follower inherently has negative feedback well, it has negative feedback, but it also has less than unity gain. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it, it is impossible to have an emitter follower have, you know, one positive. X. Well, yeah. 1x is, there's a way to trick, you can bootstrap an emitter follower such that you get really, really close to the, you know, one times gain. But even one times gain, you know, uh, in, 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 in a lot of cases, isn't actually enough to oscillate. You have to have a little bit more... Usually, what happens when you when you get an emitter follower that that does oscillate is you got parasitics going all over the place, and you have no freaking clue where crap is flowing. Probably. Um, well, that's yeah, probably what happened yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but, but, but in general, emitter followers are pretty uh, not susceptible to um, oscillation. So, I'd love to see what he did to actually like accidentally make that happen. Yeah, we can ask him. Yeah, that'd be I mean, cool. He actually had some pictures of his like scope and stuff. And he had he had his uh, VCC line, and it's just like all over the place. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, sure, it was off a lab power supply, but it was a switch mode lab power supply, probably. He said it was linear, but looking at the the frequency that's coming off, there of ain't it, no way it's I'm linear. Like, it's got some switcher in there that's like going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Even linear ones aren't perfectly quiet. No, well, no. you got you know you got three at least minimal three foot power leads that's picking up sixty hertz from the fluorescent or fifty hertz if you're in Europe. Well, and you're draping them on like a table that has a lot of other electronics on it, or crossing them over cables. Yep. So, yeah, you're gonna pick up a lot of stuff. So yeah, that's what I've been doing, trying to chase <laughs> oscillations. It's uh, you know, it's actually funny. Like a lot of times when you're designing something and you get the solution right away. Like if I had put that cap in like within the first fifteen minutes, I would have been like, oh yeah, this is awesome. You wouldn't have but, learned something. Well, but but the thing is, like, yeah, I, you're right. I wouldn't have learned something. But but the thing that's funny about it is like after I did figure it out and put the cap there, I didn't feel like a sense of accomplishment. I was just like, damn it, you were defeated. You know? <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and it's really dumb too because like the my goal wasn't to. Make Make the exponential current converter 
for yeah. at least for that day. My my goal was to make something entirely different. I just needed that as Hard a like work. a base circuit block, and I couldn't even get that to work. So the funny part is though, once I got that working, all the hard stuff, the actual voltage controlled filter, that part just worked, worked like worked perfectly. So I'd say that was a good thing. Yeah, so it, it was all right. Okay, so last last um, podcast talked about the the um, DAC project I've been working on the magic deck yeah the magic deck yeah the um the that sounds like something sold on tv yeah (laughs) magic well it's like the magic jack which was that i when iot it was the um voice over ip thing oh i didn't know your phone into it or something like that oh i didn't know about that yeah um anyways i'm waiting for the circuit boards to show up for that so i can finish that article so that's gonna take two three weeks for that stuff to show up um and then I've been working on... This is, like... I haven't really been doing a lot of, like, electronics. It's been, like... What? Are, are you feeling all right? Is everything... <laughs> is everything yeah, cool? Yeah, I've just been doing a lot of just, like... <laughs> like, writing and stuff. Because I've been redoing the knowledge base here at MacFab. Ah. Um, basically ripping it all down and putting up new wallpaper and stuff. Um, if, uh, if any of our listeners have suggestions what they want to see in our knowledge base, it's macfab.com slash help. Go check it out. It will change in probably by the time this article comes out, uh, this uh, podcast comes out. But if there's anything you want us to add to it, let me know um, in the Slack channel or email us. But yeah, that's what I've been doing for like the past week. It's just knowledge-based stuff. Ordering PCBs and writing papers. Yep. Cool. Fun. I'm hoping to get back to design work after the um, DAC article is done. Well, you can come hunt oscillations with me. That'd yeah. be, that, I'm sure that would drive you insane. I can imagine it's like in the African, like Sahara Desert, wearing those like the British getup with the hat and stuff, <laughs> and like we're hunt, we have oscilloscope probes for javelins. Yeah, hunt, hunting oscilloscope, uh, hunting oscillations in the desert. Yeah, yeah, and oscillations are like snakes. <laughs> danger noodles. Danger noodles. Yeah, danger noodles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got. No, this is this is, this this is only half a beer in. Yeah, too. this is only half a beer in. This is just like what goes through my brain all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, RFO. Oh, um, RFO. Yeah. So the first one is the Voyager One, which is the satellite that's the farthest away from Earth uh, in distance. I don't think it's the fastest. I think Voyager Two is faster. That's right. But it hasn't caught up to it yet. Voyager One is the one that's technically outside of our solar system right the sphere of influence or something like that yeah it's got a it's got a different name than that or or cloud or cloud well it no it, it entered into the or cloud okay. or whatever it okay. is yeah so anyways um so apparently it's going to die you know it's getting really far away because the solar panels aren't or in it's not in the correct orientation anymore um, and the, the thrusters they use are called alt- altitude thrusters to fix it. Well, they're, like, all out of fuel. And so they <laughs> it probably frozen, too. Yeah. Well, they, <laughs> um, so they decided to try to... Oh, NASA decided to try to use the TCM thrusters, which stands for Trajectory Control Maneuver Thrusters. Okay. Which are the ones used to, like, align it to, like, planets and stuff so you can get better orbits around them and stuff. And they haven't been fired in, like, 37 years. <laughs> the last thing they fired was, like, around Saturn. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so they basically had to go through all the old code and figure out how to test it. So they had to go through assembly code 
to figure out how to test all the stuff. And apparently it worked. They were able to fire the thrusters. Because these thrusters were designed for continuous operation for, like, long burns. Mm. But the altitude are, like, little puffs just to slightly tilt the the um, sa- uh, satellite. It's not even a satellite because it doesn't orbit. What is it? Craft? Uh, it's a uh, probe. Probe? Yeah, Okay. a probe. So, yeah, so slightly ornate the probe so that you can beam the signal back to Earth and get more juice from the sun. You, you know, um, when I visited the, um, uh, what is it, the the satellite um, facility out in Colorado, uh, the manufacturing facility, they showed me some of their thruster programs mm-hmm. and, like, what, what they use for it. And one of them, I, I was surprised. I did not know that this was, like, legit, but... Um, out the side of one of the satellites, they have a small piece of what looked like coax cable. Uh-huh. It was like small, like not even the diameter of your pinky. Um, and it, when when they they actually turned it on for us, and it just like made a huge like spark, like a massive like explosion spark, and it was like thirty something thousand volts. And apparently, if you just like spark the end of a coax, you can just put a little bit of force. On um, on on a satellite, so they u- actually were using those to like turn satellites. Up I, in space. I've read about that. I yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. Though. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it, but like the guy, like he turned it on. And he's like, "Watch out, this is gonna be loud." And I was like, "What?" And it go bam, and it exploded. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh god!" <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I I did not know. I mean, it, you know, I mean, I guess like it, in a way, there's energy being dissipated. Dissipated, in so the right it makes yeah. yeah it, it, so it makes sense. But I mean, it it was literally just like a cut piece of coax on the outside yeah. of a. Of a and that's the thing, it won't be sound because in 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 space you can't hear your satellites spark. So yeah, so it's that's like an electrical engineer's horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, we gotta look that up. It's uh, what what that technology is called? Yeah, I don't remember. Spark electro propulsion, electro spark propulsion. Yeah, something like that. Just have spark plugs hanging out of your car. Yeah, a whole lot of a whole them. lot of them yeah. make it work on Earth. So yeah, that's cool. I, I I I was more interested in like reading like all the stuff they had to go through. Like it wasn't just like oh yeah, I just turn this thing on and it'll work. It's like no, they had to like read all the schematics from back then and all the assembly code. And probably none of the engineers that worked on this project are at NASA anymore because they're probably all retired or dead. I mean that's the morbid way to look at it, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, I actually would want to know what kind of language, assembly language. Maybe someone can let us know. And 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 have you ever looked at schematics, uh, old old NASA schematics from back then? Like I looked at the um, schematic for the Apollo control module. That that schematic is is super cool. Uh, it's all NAND gates. It's and and it's it's a brutal amount of digital logic. Yep. Uh, it would be. No, no. There you go. If you if you have enough OCD, you can write a Carno map for the entire <laughs> <laughs> Apollo lander. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> that would be horrible. Uh, yeah, no. But 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 looking at those, I mean, even even the Voyager. I think I've seen some stuff from that. They, it still uses just a whole crap load of hardware gates. Yeah, you probably. Uh, so it's it's you know nowadays when you see gates, we all call it glue logic. But back then it was like that was processing. It's just logic. It's just, logic. <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah. It's like that's what you use. Yeah, it's not just an and for two signals. It's like huge uh, I equations. Think, I think it stuff. was running a processor by then. Oh, and I'm that. sure it was, but it, but uh, but yeah, it does. It's more uh, like a 68k uh, Motorola or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably something like that. Cool. Um, 
Okay, so the next top two topics are going to be about capacitors. Okay. Um, so I was looking up uh, parts for replacement parts, or not replacement, substitution parts, because this capacitor shortage is getting pretty crazy. Really? I don't know. Um, manufacturers of capacitors and passes, pretty much. Chip, chip parts, really. Um, there's a worldwide shortage of them. And it's mainly because the margins are so low on these parts that manufacturers aren't building new facilities to make more. So they're just going, eh, we're just going to run out and just drive the demand up. Oh, <laughs> uh, Panasonic will do it. Or just, yeah, they'll just drive. This actually happened, oh, man, four, six years ago for semiconductors. It was the same thing where um, semiconductor prices for, like, like, quote glue logic unquote to use your term parts were there was a, there was a there was a supply issue because no one was making fabs to make more of these even though we needed more um and there was other other reasons too but that well, was well the they, they, they uh the uh the solar panel game um the, those guys steal a lot of pure silicon. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so once that once that I mean that industry start is 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 large now. But when it was up and coming, it was stealing a lot of. So so just the 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 introduction of solar panels was making ICs go up. Yeah. Um. So, basically, yeah. So these manufacturers like Panasonic or was it Yao Yowie or um, Yego? Yego. That's what I'm thinking of. Yep. 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 Um. Marada, all these guys, basically AVX, AVX, yeah. So these guys aren't making new fabs, and so there's, they're they're a lot of them are also consolidating how many parts they're selling, to push up margins, which makes sense. Um, and also the big drive on on I like you know tablets and phones, is driving up these these part prices, or not part prices, but driving the supply down. So demand's way up. Well, sure, for like 0201 parts and, and 0402. But that's the thing is a lot of manufacturers are are discontinuing a lot of their 1206 and 0805 stuff because they're retooling stuff for this 0201 and 0402. Um, we'll see it what will happen. Apparently, some manufacturers are starting to bring stuff online, but I would suspect that passive parts, the price is going to start going up. I, I it, to a point I I, w- I would expect after you know with with the way the uh, electronic economy works eventually somebody's going to be like well that's a pretty good game to get into so they'll they'll spin up a fab eventually when it's you know it's worth yeah. it and then prices will go down again yeah. but we're just kind of in a crap period right yeah, now right now um, anyway so I was looking up and found some new styles of parts mm. new packages that I've never seen before whoa yeah. 0306. Like, 0306, not the metric version 0306. Like, Correct. the this Imperial is, 0306. So this is a, it's got a crown on the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> laser etched sure, into it. Sure, <laughs> uh, So it's the same size as an 0603, but it's hamburger style instead of hot dog style. Ah, so the terminals yep, aren't yep. on the 60, the terminals are on the 30. Yep. So they're... Um, I've never seen these before. I was like, that's crazy. Why would you have that? Yep. Why would you spin up new tooling to build something like that? Apparently, this is really... is This is like, is like the new thing starting to come out. Because I'm seeing more and more manufacturers starting to build this stuff. So, AVX, 
I don't think it was the first one, but it was the first one I found, like, why would you have this part? So they have, like, an article about it. Mm-hmm. And it's for reducing the distance between the pads. Yep. So you can put the pads closer together, which means you can make your current loop smaller for your switch mode power supplies. And that's exactly and can, right. Yeah. You can make every basic cop, like, you can make your path from your power trace down to ground for your bypasses are shorter so you reduce your parasitic imp- uh, impedance yep so. uh, I, I I saw a video on those a little while ago and someone was comparing uh, it was a 1206 versus an 06-12 yeah. uh, and, and so same game so yeah exact same game uh, and, and it was like the whole time I was watching this video, I was like, "Why the hell does it matter?" And then it's it's it comes down to the actual plate uh, um, size. The physical yeah. size yep. actually adds inductance. Yep, because it's longer. Right, right. So if you go with the opposite, the the you know o three o six versus mm-hmm. the six o three yeah. Right, right, right. Then then you can modify the inductance. But now it does have. Uh, you know, it is. It does have negatives. Also, you do have to basically waste more space on pads. Yep. Uh, so, so there's there's you know aspects to that. Now, I actually saw a design once that was super goofy. Which this is something you can request of a manufacturer. It's not a very common request, but you can do what's called billboard uh, components, where you could take even a 0612 and turn it up on its side so it's basically facing mm. up into the air it actually even takes up less room when you do that but you still get the benefits of the um uh in low inductance but the only problem is when you billboard components then it pretty much means that you're not going to place it with a machine yeah, it has to be hand placed so they're like really specific but uh, but they're they're uh, billboarding is actually uh, common enough that it's it. There's a whole like page dedicated to it in the IPC hmm. six ten documents. So it's it's a perfectly valid way of mounting components uh, for you know lower space, um, but you know it costs more. Yeah. So there you go. Well, you you take up vertical space. You take up, but 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 so the billboarding actually makes sense when doing hamburger. Capacitors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, because, yeah, because, like, I gotcha. you, you put yeah, it on yeah. the small side and then you lift I it up wonder, in the air. I wonder when someone's going to load their tapes by default like that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, uh, in a lot of uh, situations, other than say That'd cell phones, really... you have vertical space. You yeah. don't have XY space. I wonder how hard that's going to be to make it stay vertical, though. You would just have to make the little tubs in the in the no, tape. No, I'm thinking small. when it gets say it gets placed on the on the board. Oh is yeah, that surface tension of the solder paste going to be enough to hold that part up until the reflow. I think it would be way more down. critical in that situation that you have your pads designed properly. Yeah, uh, because you you know you've seen tombstoning happen on on components, and it's funny because this is a t- kind of tombstoning that you would want to happen, but you can't really like force it to happen. No, yeah. So once again, I think that always comes down to that would come down to like hand placing and hand yeah. soldering and stuff so you would only do a billboard with a hamburger in <laughs> in like man. a really specific situation, situation yeah. yeah so I, I'm thinking these are going to probably start becoming more and more of a thing I don't know if this is going to be something that like AVX will be like we're not going to do 06 or 03s anymore we're only 03 or 06s I don't know if they'll do that but this is something to start looking at in the future and especially with this part shortage and seeing what 
manufacturers are starting to like push forward what they want to build because eventually that's what you know if you can't buy a 1206 part like 10 microfarad part anymore like you have to change your design well that's true the thing is like i i i i I don't think that anyone would make that rash of a decision like take for instance i'm I'm just saying that's an example well yeah it's an example but 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 so the 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 ipc 75 30 blah 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 whatever Mm -hmm. that's the standard for designing like pads for chip components and things like that uh and and that document doesn't even call out designing pads for billboard or hamburger components it's still like the defaults like the 0805 the 0603s and stuff so i mean the world has harmonized and standardized under these these chip components i bet you there'll just be a shortage uh but who knows maybe we will go to hamburgers and it'll be fun you know (laughs) what everyone will have to change their standards like you're you're like well, the, the, thinking, the MF passives library will have to change. change yeah. <laughs> I, I'm thinking though is, is basically you're going to have to legacy designs are probably going to have to change just to keep up with these the the magazine not magazines but um catalog changes mm-hmm. that, that these manufacturers are making now. So yeah, well, bomb, bombs are fluid. You know they yeah. they yeah, bill of materials, bill materials yeah. are they're fluid. They change freaking every day yeah. so, so that's, that might be something where legacy designs are gonna have to change is when yeah if that 1206 50 volt part has you know no manufacturer makes that part anymore okay we have to switch to 0805 now or whatever you know what i i would love to see maybe somebody has this i doubt it but i would love to see the iphone x bill of materials like the official oh, yeah, bill exists. of materials yeah well of course it exists but like for my eyes to see <laughs> I, think, I think actually a lot of people do teardowns and stuff and have that because like i would love to like it's got to be like 50 pages of excel sheets this, oh, did you send me a text earlier today how much it costs yeah i was watching yeah. I, it was funny i was i was watching a, a youtube video where a guy he he weighed uh a kilogram of silver uh, and well, not weighed. I'm sorry. A kilogram of silver is a kilogram of silver. But uh, he 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 weighed an, an iPhone, and it was point uh, one four three kilograms, so 143 uh, grams. And uh, it cost the same amount as one kilogram of silver. So technically, per weight, dollar per weight is the same. Do, well, no dollar per weight. The iPhone is seven times as expensive as just raw silver. Oh, really? Seven times. Yeah. Damn. So so. A, 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 an iPhone, if you had like, if if it was like an element, iPhoneum, it would it would be thirty five hundred dollars uh, per kilogram. Jeez, <laughs> is that more expensive than printer ink? No, no, printer ink yeah, pr- 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 is yeah, like yeah, like <laughs> you can buy a kilogram of gold for more than for for less than printer ink. Yeah, uh, actually, you know, you know what's funny? The the most expensive. Um, thing per gram is potassium 41 uh which is like a really really specific isotope of potassium there's one place in the world that makes it what's it used for uh it's some kind of nuclear application i can't remember exactly what it is but it is 70 million dollars a gram uh or a kilogram i can't remember one of those regardless it's like ridiculously expensive Hmm. and 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 it has a very specific and very useful uh, use, but like, but at the same time, there's you know one guy making it and only ten people needing it, kind of thing. So, 
you know, take that secret to the grave with So them. la-di-da. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a secret how to make it. It's just a pain in the ass. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Basically, that $70 million, you're not paying for, like, intellectual property. You're just paying for some dude to, like, sit and pick atom by atom out, you know, potassium-41, that specific mm. isotope. Hmm. So, there you go. Yep. YouTube teaches you a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to find that video that covers that. Um, so the next capacitor article that I was reading about is the uh, All Vault Circuits came out with an article about a concise guide to ceramic capacitor types. Ooh. And this is actually how I got onto the 0306 is they had a picture of a 0306 part and I'm like, that is weird looking. What is that? Big so fat started, pads. Yeah, so I started researching that guy. Um, so this is an article that covers the different classes of capacitors. Class 1, 2, and 3, which are the dielectric types. Um, and that's just like, was it X5R or X7R or COG, NPO? Yeah. Um, and so COG and NPO, NP0. Yeah, NP0 yeah, are class ones. Yes. Um, and basically, the classes just basically are the class ones are like super good ceramic capacitors, class two are pretty good, and class three are. Whatever you, these are the cheapest ones. They're the kind that you put in a salt shaker and then you just shake over your PCB <laughs> and let them stick where they stick, and there you go. You got some capacitors. Um, so usually the first character, like X, Y, C, denotes the the lowest temperature the capacitor can handle. Yep. Um, and I think like C is like the lowest, and Y is like the highest, is something like that. There's a chart on their website that shows all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll put in the podcast description um the second character is how high of temperature i think i think that's right yeah and then the third is tolerance right tolerance yes um so y5v is like one of the worst dielectrics it's like plus 80 minus it, 20 I'll put this way the the graph looks like a gaussian curve of its top <laughs> of its of its capacitance yeah of like room temperature is right in the middle and it just falls completely off you, you know what? I bet you if I put one of those capacitors in that circuit I was doing earlier, yeah. it would still work. Because oh, yeah. it just needed some capacitance. Yeah. And so the, See, th- that's a situation that you would use a crappy cap for, just when you need some capacitance. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what value it is. Or if it changes. Or if it changes. Um, yeah, that was actually the thing is, why does a cap- capacitor like Y5V exist where it's so bad? When you look at the specs, it's because... A lot of times, appliances and, like, stuff is always at room temperature. Now, like, a cell phone is not because it's exposed to outside, cold, being in your pocket, that kind of stuff. But, like, a thermostat on the wall. Technically, it's supposed to regulate room temperature. (laughs) Its goal is to be at room temperature. (laughs) So, it can probably get away with Wi-Fi-V capacitors. Um, well, it also depends on what the purpose of the capacitor is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're using it to just, like, dump some high-frequency crap and the actual value of that capacitor doesn't matter at any one point in time, then you might be able to get away with a really cheap... And Wi-Fi-Vs are really inexpensive. Yes. Um, and that actually brings... The next thing is, like, why don't you just use Class 1 all the time, like C0G? Very expensive dielectric. Um, and it's also... Class 1s aren't very space efficient. Like, at 0.1 microfarad, the smallest you can get it is 1206. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you usually... with When it comes to NPO or COG, 
the those are kind of the cream of the crop when it comes to ceramic capacitors they have the absolute best tolerance and the absolute best temperature coefficient yep and so you put those in critical applications and i'll give you an example of that uh uh in in a previous life i designed vibration sensors that were meant for safety uh devices and so in the feedback of all of our filter paths so if a customer said like hey i want my thing to detect lower than 1k but not above 1k Mm -hmm. if we had a filter like that where we wanted that cutoff frequency to be fixed we'd put a cog right there you know also why really good application is class one dielectrics are not microphonic right as well so if vibration sensors uh sensors you would be introducing uh like vibration microphonics into that capacitor that's right you don't want any extra crap line uh, going on there yeah. and 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 when you have a device that's rated from negative 40 c up to 100 degrees c you want that capacitor to be a fixed value throughout the entire range loop, yeah yeah in your feedback loop because you know it might have a cutoff frequency at boiling or you know that's something different than freezing you don't want that to be the case ever especially in a safety application yeah. um automotive actually too uh you have a lot of safety applications in there where you would want a cap to just always be a cap yeah you know uh, or, or that that, one, that specific cap yeah that specific uh capacitance right but if you're just getting rid of you know whatever high frequency power supply ripple that doesn't necessarily need to be super specific x7r is probably way overkill for 99 percent of the times it's been used yeah i mean if you if you're talking about like i don't know bypass caps on every single you know ic in a circuit a lot of times sometimes those are critical a lot of times they're not and actually I was going to put it on here, but it would make this podcast, like, super long. Is be, I think for the next time, is we'll go over why 0.1 microfarads. Ooh. Yeah. That's a fun so one. So I have a whole bunch of stuff to sift through, and I'm actually going to write it up. Um, and I think that's going to be our next, our, like, that's just what we're going to talk about. I, I know that it, that it goes beyond the electrical characteristics of that capacitor. Yes. It starts going into cost. Yes, it goes into cost, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that'll be next time. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, but we got one more RFO topic. This one's, you know, we, we get hit the heavy hitters. Now it's going to be a little goofy. Oh, great. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> four levels of transcendence <laughs> yes. about projects. I sent you this earlier. Yeah. So the transcendence <laughs> meme is, you explain the meme. Okay, uh, you, you've probably seen it where it's. Uh, it, I, I think the the images are actually taken from something that's like, uh, sort of like describing like your chakras and like, like the the, the levels of like nirvana that your your brain has reached. And in effect, it's like a four pain. Uh, comic where it shows like a small person's brain and then they've reached some new level of nirvana and it keeps going until they're basically a god in the, in, in the end of this. So what are the four levels of uh, uh, transcendence, Parker? So level one is finishing projects. Okay. Level two is abandoning those projects. <laughs> so once you've started projects and then abandoned them. And just give up on that's them. level yeah. two. Level two, yeah. Level yeah. three is... Starting a new project before finishing the current project. <laughs> so usually this is how this meme works. It yeah. starts out something kind of normal. And it and gets then, really ridiculous. And then it gets, like, worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Things. But oh, it, yeah. It, you reach new levels. Oh, of yeah. We're in, yeah. So level four is at the end of this meme would be continually coming up with new ideas without doing anything about them. Which, for people who have listened to us for a long time, we are 
at minimum level four. Yeah, minimum, minimum level. here. So I came yeah. up with level five. Okay, what's what's level five? Is starting a lifetime of projects in one month, buying old supplies, and then not finishing them. And just having a stockpile a of, part, of, of parts. Brand yeah. new parts just sitting over there. And you're like, huh, I got a new idea for a project. Log on to Amazon, buy everything, and then that just sits in that Amazon box. And just... <laughs> Oh, you know, <laughs> you know. Actually, gonna get this. I was over at my shop the other day. This is some level five sh- shit right here. Okay, <laughs> I was at my shop the other day, and I found a box from Mauser unopened, <laughs> unopened, <laughs> and I ripped the thing open, and there's a whole bag full of parts in there, and they were v- clearly very carefully chosen parts, uh, and it was an entire project in there. I can't even remember what any of it was for like see, i don't remember the project at all see, well i i learned early on is i put the po number as what the project is oh there you because <laughs> <laughs> i've had that happen before because <laughs> like apparently i had like an amazing idea and it's just a bag of parts now yeah, just a bag of parts. <laughs> so it even happens outside so, of the podcast so level six oh is running a podcast <laughs> and just having ideas and not even doing anything about them. Well, and, 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 and leaving it up to the listener to do them. Right, right. Or leaving it up to the listeners to be like, when are you guys going to finish this? So We're just going to keep uh, tr- telling you that we're going to finish these projects. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. So that was the Back Engineering Podcast. <laughs> we were your hosts, Parker Doman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Go finish projects. Or use the ones that we mentioned on the show. Yeah, finish them for us. Yeah. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or project that you finished for us, email us at podcast at macfab.com or tweet us at macfab. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen because it helps other people find these shows.